Hello, everyone, and welcome to <clears throat> the Shari Away Book Club container. This container takes place um, every Saturday at 11 a.m. Louisiana time. And within each of these containers, we take the time to discuss, delineate, disagree, and elevate some points that came up for us um, from reading the chapter at hand. Um, for this book club, we are focusing on Hazra Inya Khan's Mysticism of Sound and Music. And for the purpose of this container, we'll be focusing on chapter 12. So the read aloud happens. Hold on. Not me having to check the calendar. I always have to do this. Let's see. Like, I know when it's supposed to happen, but the day of the week. Anyways, um, so the read aloud of the chapter that we'll be discussing within book club happens and takes place every Wednesday at um, 2.30, I believe, Louisiana time, usually. And the book club, again, happens on Saturdays at 11 a.m. So feel free to pull up um, the invite to join the Broom um, Discord server. Should be in the episode details of this episode. And yeah, thank you again for listening tuning in and following us as we discuss this really riveting book. <laughs> so chapter 12 we read um, is titled uh, The Science and Art of Hindu Music. And I just want to hold space for those who are here live to share um, any points of reflection, any paragraphs that stood out to you, or any points that were made in the text that you want to elevate so that we can discuss today. Um, I guess for me, I'll start us off and speak to in chapter 12, um, I'll start with the first paragraph. I think um, this is the the part in the text where um, Hazrat Inyat Khan speaks to science as a, or music as a science, um, as according to the Eastern traditions, specifically the Sanskrit and Vedic traditions and Hindu traditions. Um, And he goes on to say in the third paragraph that the source of both science and art is intuition, which I found really difficult to disagree with because as somebody who enjoys both science and music, I do feel like there is a, um, a spirit behind each of those uh, schools of thought or pathways of study. And in the last book club, that is one thing we were kind of talking about was like the spirit behind music or any given, um, any given song at any given moment. But I also really enjoy and I'm grateful for the fact that science is being brought into this conversation as an artifact of um, human intuition. And I actually agree with that. I, for me personally, I feel like science is um, another way, another art form to understand the world. 
And I do think that there is a spirit behind science as well. Um, and I know that's probably like hard to, to hear or maybe like even hard just for me to say, because especially in current time, um, there's a lot of compartmentalization where people um, are like spiritual sciences or spirit work exist on one plane of existence or in one category and science is in another category and those two worlds do not mingle they do not meet and they actually have no relation is what i feel like is the dominant thought process for many people and for me um i would actually say like if you go back to when science i think we actually talked about this too in one of the uh shetty away book clubs or no the pre-games was like how science's origins rest in the art of alchemy and like the blending of different elements and blending of different materia to create an outcome um, a material outcome and for me like the style of experimenting and theorizing um i don't think is that 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 rests in a lot of schools of thought when it comes to science i don't think it's that different or that far off from intuitive deduction which is really really alive in um, spiritual sciences as well there's also points in history i can't remember what lineages these come from because i feel like they come they're the roots of them are in a lot of like indigenous cultures is the idea of like shamans and priests also being alchemists and scientists and the great thinkers of their time not only just like um philosophy but i actually do think that the roots of a lot of the thought processes that are born out of scientific experimenting have their roots in shamanism have their roots in um communal research and have their roots and i think um this in, this intuitive relationship with with the elements at large um not quite anna anna says re-indigenized science is what i'm hearing i'm saying that science is indigenous so re-indigenizing it would only be re-indigenizing it for people who have like forgotten that its roots come from this like interrelation between the earth and its people and what i'm saying is that that connection has always been there So I feel like I put a lot down. I'm also going to take a sip of some water, but I would love to hear what comes up for y'all. Um, even in disagreement. Um, I, I pretty much agree. I think that uh, like science and like if you think about the scientific method like the way we learn it in school they start with the hypothesis and like mm -hmm. you like that's that's involving like you observing something and then you get like an idea like what if i wonder how this is related and like the thing that sparks that idea is like an intuitive feeling and i think like a lot of a lot of the the indigenous things that people know and like have codified into mythologies or, or cosmologies or stuff like it's later getting proven by 
the more rigid forms of science that are out now because they're like, but like even, even those people, they, the people who like test those theories and come up with the same answers, they probably had like an intuitive feeling like, uh, you know, this is, this is probably related in this way, even though all the other science that's been out says it's not related, but I'm going, I'm gonna go ahead and try it out. And like that, like it just all boiled back down to like being curious about looking like what's what's really going on out here on this on this planet that we're on. Yeah, thank you for saying that, Tiff. And maybe that actually helps me like refine my point because I feel like maybe what I was doing was like throwing everything together. But I actually like what you said, how like the bare bones of the thinking process that are like applied to sciences now, like the hypothesis, the theory like these things may have had intuitive roots. Um, and that like, yeah, like in current time, they might look different because it's like people in lab coats, people who are like sponsored probably by big universities, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, like I feel like it's important to name that, like the roots of thinking and the way that like science helps you see the world does not is not attributed to me directly to like scientific lineages. Um, so yeah, I'm really glad that you said that. Thanks, Tiff. I'm also gonna read, or I wonder if anyone who typed some stuff in the chat would like to unmute and read it out loud. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I guess I'm just like going off in text a little bit. Um, I wouldn't want anyone to have to read what I'm writing, <laughs> but I guess like in summary, I was kind of saying how I get why like re-indigenizing science might come up just because of like the allegorical like accumulation around the term science mm -hmm. and around the term like indigenization or indigeneity, right? It's like allegorically, like you were saying, it's like science kind of like I think when you say science to most people, they're going to expect like a disinfected lab with like lab coats and like pure logic. Right. Uh, using a logos, which somehow delocalizes perception, even though perception mm -hmm. is the root of uh, like all phenomenological experience, right? But I think it forgets that, you know, what we call science nowadays used to be called. Uh, natural philosophy i believe in like western europe mm -hmm. around like the time when money was created around the time when like markets were developing and also around the time when like maritime exploration by europeans in a european mode of exploration and trade which i'll say is quite exploitative as history looks upon it um yeah like it was called natural philosophy back then and a lot of what we know as science today came from people with light skins in Western Europe having like mystical experiences. Mm -hmm. So there's like quite some distance between that and what we call science now, which I would say it's like it kind of takes credit for all of their discoveries. Like those people were the original scientists. Right. But then if you look at the way science is practiced now, it's vastly different to how they were practicing it. And you know, highly distorted by capitalism. And um Hmm. Yeah, I'd say like it's biased towards knowledge, which can be used 
uh, martially, mm. militarily, biochemical weapons. Uh, I'm going to say biochemical weapons and then remedies for biochemical weapons. And I was just like, <laughs> try to follow your example by cutting the discussion short there on that one. And then, like, when I talk about, like, the indigenous, like, Agricores, I feel like when people think about indigenous people, they're like, okay, like, so they're going to be like, not that pale skinned. Right. And, you know, there's a whole conversation that we've been having for like years in the broom now around mm -hmm. how whiteness robs, robs people of indigeneity. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's like the egregore is basically like maybe you have like a non pale shade of skin and you just like dance around the fire. Yeah. wearing face paint and wearing lots of stuff that rattles as you're moving and stuff that's like for yeah. me and I, you know i welcome anybody to disagree with me but i'd say like indigeneity and re-indigenization involves like becoming and sustaining a relationship with the earth as a part of her body you know so like what i said in the text is like to be indigenous for me means like i'm like earth's skin and hair and fingers and fingernails claws even um and i don't think that like earth wants me to confine myself dancing around fires with face paint on oh, sure. i think earth is fine with me wearing regular people clothes and having logical arguments with people who consider themselves to be the gatekeepers of what is logical and fucking destroying them mm. um in service of i would say like earth's realignment with the cosmos um, so what this has to do with has there any card, I'm not exactly sure, but I'm really grateful for the space to say it. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah, thank you. And I appreciate that, like situating us in like time, like points in, in history where we can kind of like draw these links and like do our own research as well. Um, and then my second point is, yeah, it's okay if we diverge because I feel like um, yeah, that's the point of this book club for me is like, if the contents bring up more material than us, that, I mean, for us, then it's, I feel like, I feel like that's the point of, of, of a good book club. I like when book clubs diverge. So yeah. Um, I also want to see if Anna wanted to unmute to share what she said in the chat. Yeah, I feel like, um, what I was saying about re-indigenized science. I think, I mean, it makes sense for me because the, like the way that you started out, like the point that you started out with was talking about the compartmentalization. Um, and so I think it does make sense to say re-indigenizing science. I like, I see what you're saying. I also don't think that saying that means denying that that connection has always existed personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that feels like I feel like it emphasizes it, you know, for me anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think it's important to talk about the egregores around indigenization because it also speaks to like what keeps people from having that relationship as opposed to just being like people forgot. Like the next natural. Yeah. Question, why did people forget? And it's right. And it, yeah, it, I also, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say it has to do, I think, because like the image of like science and like having like ripened logical discussions has been kind of like curtailed to 
to happen in these experiences or like environments that are like with white coats and like, you know, can only be like published if there's like empirical evidence. But it's like, you know, what about like what people discover through their like mystical experiences or whenever they like, like Tiff said, like adopt the like um, hypothesis style of thinking for their own lives or for like something that they would rather observe um, the outcome of. I think it kind of just creates more room for people to experiment and doesn't allow the um, the discovery or like the drive to discover um, belong only to like schools of thought that are like science based is kind of like what what I feel is like important to name. I don't think that re-indigenizing science takes away from anything, but I think just saying re-indigenizing science without saying the how can kind of like, yeah, bring in some of these egregores about both science and indigenizing. Um, Tiff, I was wondering if you wanted to unmute and read what you said about uh, the tweet in the chat. Yes. So um, I don't remember where the tweet was because uh, that that timeline be flying past me. So, but I do remember the gist of it was like people were people were like going back and forth about like who who gets the right to Palestine and you know Israel's like we were there first and Palestine was like we're here now and basically somebody like chimed in and was like the um, like the word indigenous like being indigenous to a place doesn't just mean you happen to be there first, but it means like the people who are taking care of the land and like, you know, um, cultivating the life there and, and like bombing indiscriminately just everything and everybody and all the life and rip, ripping up, you know, ripping up olive trees for funsies. Like that's not, taking care of the land that's the exact opposite like you're kind of ruining the land like filling it with all kinds of bad chemicals and destroying everything so it's like that i never thought about it like that because you know the word indigenous to me always just meant like who was there before before us who were there now like in in you know classes and stuff like the indigenous americans that's like the people who were here but they were taking care of the land like somebody might have had came before them but we talk about the indigenous people and like that's um i never i never really looked at it from that perspective like i i was kind of uh picturing you know the, the same similar egregores you know the variously brown people who uh you know just kind of earthy and and um uh, they don't use a whole too much technology, maybe. But, but I mean, then, you know, you think about they have their own technology and it just happens to be like really it's not as noticeable as ours because ours is more uh, kind of was it juxtaposed against like nature and their their technology is like made from nature and, and you know might might blend back into it at some point and it, it's all for the purpose of cultivating the 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 land that they're on which is very scientific if, if you're trying to like figure out the best way to do that yeah 
Yeah, thank you for saying that, Tiff, because I feel like it's hard to see indigenizing in the same way when you consider what's happening in the world um, right now. So I'm really glad that you said that because I feel like also the conflict in the Levant is also helping me clarify what being indigenous to a land means. And I actually do think a lot of people still hold on to the belief that it's um, who was there first. And for a long time, I subscribed to that. It's like, we were the first, we were wolves, you know, like we, <laughs> we were there first and we stake a claim to the land. But I also feel like that's so ill representative towards the lineages that have been known to steward the land. And it also like brings up for me then like, how do you answer to that? Because it's like, if you discover a land and you move from it, like you move away from it or you leave it. And this is just like my process. So, you know, feel free to just cancel me later. That's fine. But I'm like, and you, if you move away from that land and another group of people comes in and cultivates it and makes a livelihood and a culture uh, out of it. And they're also not stopping other people from doing that on that same land. Then um, aside from the right of being who, you know, like, because I'm like, who gives them the right to say or anyone to say that they're not indigenous? But I'm also like taking it a step further and, and like positioning myself and saying, like, who gives other oppressive forces the right to bomb that land and also strip the earth of that particular space of its resources and strip it of its um, bioecology? for the use of these like man-made weapons. So I'm really glad that you spoke to that too, like how different people are inspired, I think based on their karma with the land to produce and interact with the land in a particular way. And so if one group of people is driven to like bomb a land and inflict violence on it, I think that speaks to like what the land <laughs> is trying to teach them. And if another people are drawn to like cultivate the land grow with the land, create a story with the land, then that speaks to like what kind of conversation, again, if we're kind of in this example as Earth as, of Earth as a living being, um, it kind of reflects the kind of conversation that they're having with the land. And again, like what karma they're ripening with the land as well. So yeah, we have some etymology in the chat. Um, Nobu says, ooh, maybe we need to find a new word. So indigenous, uh, the etymology of indigenous points to, according to Wikipedia, a native born in a country. Um, it's from Indi or Indu, an old derivative of in, with the roots of gigno, which means to give birth to. Um, and there's a couple of comparatives from ancient Greek. Um, that say endogenous, meaning born in the house. Wow. And the separately formed endogenous, and it's unrelated to the word Indian. So there's also a Old Latin and Proto-Italic and Proto-Indo-European etymology that, spoke, that speaks to um, indigenous meaning in inside or into or and then the ancient greek um, etymology um, takes it further to say that endon means or it relates to being in or within 
Wiktionary. Oh, thank you. Not Wikipedia, Wiktionary. Um, yeah, so I, I do feel like a, a new word. We're due for a new word. It's so interesting to me where, like, in the first excerpt from Wiktionary, they say unrelated to Indians. And then in the next, you know, like, when I, you don't, you, you know, it's going to sound kind of meta when you go deeper within to the word Indo. It's from like Proto Indo European and it means inside into, and, you know, like the word Indian, I think, comes from like the Indus River. And we're mm -hmm. talking about like an etymon from Proto Indo European. And it <laughs> makes it feel very difficult for me to justify them saying that it's completely unrelated to the word Indian, mm -hmm. especially when we're looking at the text, which you know, comes from an exponent of, I would say, like, Indus River spirituality, as much I would call it. Okay. And he he's talking so much about, like, the esoteric nature of science, the esoteric nature of music, the <laughs> esoteric nature of relating mm -hmm. as separate beings in the body of, like, oneness. Um, I love Wiktionary, but, you know, I'm just going to call him out on that. and. Yeah, I guess I want to, going back to like the idea of new words, I feel like, so like Anna said, I also feel like there are probably people from slash in Israel who are stewarding life that are not represented by their government. <laughs> and maybe more than probably there are. Yeah. And like stewarding is sort of one of the words I was thinking of as something that might be a little bit more useful than indigenous mm -hmm. um, I'm curious how y'all think about that mm -hmm. yeah thank you for bringing in the etymology too because I, I like I like how it instantly contradicted itself but instantly took us to a deeper place and um, I really enjoy the word steward personally um, I wonder if we can look up the etymology of steward because I think something about that word um like the spirit of that word for me i think speaks to like a more matrilineal um lens and communal lens of looking at the earth and engaging with the earth and i think like to be a steward of something i don't know the first thing that comes up for me i'm gonna just be real um stewarding the thing that i bring up for me and my system right now that's coming up as like the not opposite but I guess the uh, the pole to like stewarding and why I like it is like mothering and how like I don't know that might be complex but for me I'm like it's different than mothering but stewarding has like a different connotation so I'm gonna I'm gonna read um oh Anna says I feel like steward implies a certain dot 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 verbing yeah um, so <clears throat> Nobu shared the uh Wiktionary entry on stewarding. Do you want to read it, Nobu? Uh, yeah. Um from Middle English steward, steward from old English, blah 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 blah. One of the words that comes up here is like steward housekeeper, one who has the superintendence. Now that's a that's a really interesting word superintendence of household affairs and then guardian 
and apparently it comes from the word stig which means like a wooden enclosure or house and then ward which also comes from the word guard as guardian keeper and then yeah tiff kind of highlighted the words guardian and keeper and i was like i love that because i mean it's really funny how close it is to the word gardener as well <laughs> um <laughs> and you know some some people who are commonly thought of as indigenous are also commonly referred to as like the gardeners right so i think it's more or less common knowledge and accepted knowledge but um yeah like the amazon forest and the amazon river isn't just as verdant as it is because it was left alone but the people who lived there for a long time were like literally I think maybe even in their own languages, like gardening it. Um, mm. And yeah, I kind of like the idea of sort of detaching the ward part of steward from like stick because like, you know, like some places it's going to make sense to live in a wooden enclosure. Some places it's not going to. Sometimes mm. it might not even be like, you know, suitable to live in a house, but I think just being like a guardian or a ward or a warden mm -hmm. of the earth as a house, I guess. An earth guardian, I don't know, an earth keeper feels pretty like heartfelt to me. Mm -hmm. Ashe. Ashe. <clears throat> For some reason, what I'm thinking of is I actually don't know where this phrase come from, comes from but I'm thinking about the phrase that was said to me well, well the first time I heard it was in this presentation by um, an esoteric teacher named Seven Bomar and in this particular teaching he was saying or quoting a verse from some religious text that says in my father's house there are many mansions without bringing the father egregore in here um I just was thinking about the idea that uh, that's the Bible. Thank you, Tiff. Thank you. I was like, I don't want to be wrong about this. <laughs> but yeah, it's the Bible. Um, and um, yeah, for some reason that came up in terms of what you were saying regarding Stig and how like there's different ways to live as a steward of the earth or a guardian of the earth or a keeper of the earth. Um, but yeah, I'm holding space. I wonder what else comes up for y'all regarding guardians and keepers because I really relate to it too. I think there's something really centered about that. There's also something, um, I don't know, in guardian and, and keeper, it's like, it's also like that type of word bears a lot of responsibility too, but it, I don't know. I don't, it doesn't feel like burdensome either for me personally. So, yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like there, um, like I'm still thinking about the connection to the word indigenous there. And like, if I'm born in a place and like, I'm living there for long enough, I kind of want it to be, you know, uh, a place that can still be lived in as my life continues. So I might like, like maybe I'm um, thinking about like reflecting on like my house that I, I'm not, I wasn't born here, but I grew up here. And like, 
now that I'm getting older and I'm like looking around like, oh, this stuff needs repairs. We should uh, wonder when dad's going to call the repair man. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm like, I'm the grown up now. I'm probably start should thinking about how to take care of this house so it remains intact. Like if so it don't fall apart on me, maybe I'll get rid of it, sell it. Maybe I'll live here forever. I don't know. But like it's got to still be here while I'm here. That would be nice. And so, yeah, like stewardship like you know guardian of the house like it's it's like it's like a responsibility like you would pick up as like to care about your surroundings in that way absolutely Tev. and i feel like in some families that's like a rite of passage a little bit you know whereas like just to kind of bring it to the ground level like once the children start or the youngers start facilitating the things that it takes to uphold the household then uh, to me it feels like there's like a sort of torch being passed and I feel like I had a very similar experience too um and then I do want to get to what Nobu was saying about the zen idea I guess yeah Nobu do you want to say more about the zen idea of householding and I'll um I'll save my point for after that yeah I mean like the idea I think is pretty popular in I will say like different Buddhist canons and I think that it's a little bit like gender biased in many of those canons but I think the reason I kind of refer to it as a Zen idea is because it was popular, popularized as like a valid path towards let's say like enlightenment or spiritual progress by uh, yeah like I would say like Zen monk um but yeah, I guess it came up just because of what Tiff was saying about like, yeah, like even if you're not born in a house, there is still this sense of like wanting to respect that space. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, if we think of Earth as our house, which I think is quite a lovely way to think about it, I can imagine that frame being really generative. Definitely. Yeah, and it's funny because I'm like, um, the example that I was going to share was like totally outside the gender norms that we assume where I was having a talk with my dad a, a couple years ago when I graduated college and he was giving me the big like his version of like you're an adult now speech. And a lot of the examples um, in this con context. Um, oh, sick. I just saw somebody like a car drive past with panther eyes on it. That's pretty sick. Um, but the example that I was thinking of between me and my dad, he was kind of giving me that speech of like, like one day you'll have your own house. And like one day in that house, there will be X, Y, and Z. And now like you're equipped, even though you are a woman, to like run a household. And I was like, dang, bruh. And he was also sharing with me, and I'll share this with y'all, that he kind of like, my dad's, my dad's definitely a mystic. And um, he was sharing with me that he had a dream like before I graduated college about this moment that we were having when I did graduate college. And it was just um, kind of him doing that, like passing on the torch, even though traditionally um, in a lot of cultures, they do that from like father to son or like mother to daughter. Um, I was kind of appreciative that like my dad took on that role to like tell me that and like transmit that to me um, because I do feel like he could probably also see that I'm on a path of spiritual progress. 
So that felt important for him to like name that like we're far from the land that he was born in. We're also far from the culture that he was born in. However, those edicts of stewarding and caring for a place that raised me and cared for me are still important where like where where we are now, which is the States. Um, so yeah, I'm really glad that we're kind of talking about this. So Nova shared some screenshots about who is a householder. Um, in this screenshot, it says, in the traditional Indian society, a householder, Sanskrit, Grasthin, is typically a settled adult male with a family. In the Pali canon, various Pali words have been translated into the English world word of householder, including agarika, gahapati, gahati, and dihin. <laughs> Vocation um, most often associated with householders in the Pali canon are those of guild foreman, banker, and merchant. But other vocations are mentioned, such as farmer and carpenter. And in the Vajrayana perspective, the Vajrayana tr tradition has produced many prominent householders, including a couple of people being named here. The uh, Nagapa is an ordained ta tantric practitioner, sometimes a householder, with certain vows depending up dependent upon lama and lineage that makes them the householder equivalent of a monk or a nun. The path of the Nagapa is rigorous is a rigorous discipline whereby one enjoys where one quote enjoys the sense fields as a part of one's practice. A practitioner utilizes the whole of the phenomenal world as one path, marrying, raising children, working jobs, leisure, art, play, etc., are all means to realize the enlightened state or rigpa, non-dual awareness. As such, we can see the prominence of householders in the Vajrayana tradition. One can, however, be a householder without taking the vows of Nigpa, simply holding the five precepts, bodhisattva vows, and the tantric vows while practicing diligently can result in enlightenment. Wow. Wow. I guess I'm just sitting with um, the felt sense of there being vows and lineages that have already kind of figured this out for us. <laughs> We're not reinventing the wheel. Nobu says, my channel is alive. Okay. I see Tiff and Anna are typing. I stopped typing because it's going to take too long. But I wanted to say that it kind of <laughs> reminds me of like the, the idea of, of Sufism, like being able to connect to the divine through like any any phase of life and how like it's not it's not as rigidly um like all the all the various rules and stuff that that people come up with uh 
like it's not enforced as hard like you can find it wherever you are if you if you remember to mm-hmm. and so i'm it's, it's cool to see it crossing it cross like it, there's like other other cultures that have a similar uh idea of it like that just makes it feel more true to me absolutely tiff yeah same for me like something deep inside of me was affirmed as i was reading that and i also like I've like heard from my parents that like the most spiritual thing that they've ever done is like be parents and like have a family and like have a household and like steward that household in a generative direction. And like my mom, she always says it and I'll say it in her accent only because I love her. She'd be like, being a parent is not easy. It is not easy. (laughs) And so it's like, yeah. (laughs) Um, I also just kind of think about the fact that like uh, for me personally, the idea and the pursuit of family and a household, um, I was actually talking to a friend about this yesterday and I was sharing that. I think like that's part of my personal calling. Um, And so it very much aligns with these like Sufi, Zen and Vajrayana lineages um, that I feel I feel pretty familiar with. But I also it's also very affirming to kind of see see it being laid out. Um, and I, again, I'm like, what does this have to do with the art of music and science? But I'm like, I think this is more about a way of life, which is also important to me. Um, but yeah. I guess like what I'm reflecting upon, like going back to, well, I guess I'll say like, looking first of all like looking on all of these definitions of what a household is and what that you know what other ways that householders should behave um i feel like there's this like almost like kind of tragic comic aspect of it for me where they were trying so hard to dictate what these you know like these roles and these duties are perhaps in a way so that it could say like, oh, like you can pursue a spiritual path even if you're doing what like, what like normal people do or whatever. But then I feel like their words ended up calcifying and creating like these rigid definitions of what people need to do, which like when we get to current time seem like restrictive, right? Like, you know, like the idea that you're like male and like the owner of land. I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty restrictive for females quite clearly, but it's also restrictive for a lot of men because like it's really hard to earn land nowadays um, because of black rock and shit. But you right. know, like, but then like those things get kind of taken out of time and we kind of have to update them. Um, and yeah, I think like, I also admire like that Sufi, but also like in general, like the esoteric perspective, which is that like, yes like you can put out words which make it clear that even if you aren't like what people think spirituality is you can be these other things if you do these things and be spiritual but then i would say like esoteric traditions apophatic traditions are more they they're more interested generally in saying like what isn't true Mm. in order to create space for like what is you know so to say like you don't have to be a monk to be a spiritual person earnestly pursuing a spiritual path opens up so much space versus saying you know you can be living at 
X, Y, and Z Douglas Street in this place with genitals, and then you can be spiritual, you know? And I think, you know, to bring it back a little bit to the text that we're like, it's kind of like the nominal focus of this container. It's like, I think that, okay, like one of the things that he says in the first paragraph is that like Sanskrit is like perhaps the original language and you have to study Indian music to understand like the connection between spiritual and music. And like, I kind of think that's like really chauvinistic, but I feel like the bulk of what he says in this text is very relatable to everybody, right? Like, okay, like maybe not everybody can experience music, like say people who, you know, have difficulty hearing or, you know, even have difficulty, let's say, um, you know, getting access to Spotify or whatever. But I think he also talks about sound and music in a sense, which is so esoteric that like pretty much anybody who senses anything, like anybody who is aware of some form of phenomena is perhaps right. able to connect it to, to sound and to music and to harmony and to, uh, yeah, I think like what we were saying earlier about like relationality. Um, and then I kind of said a lot, but I guess the last thing I want to say is also just like when meditating upon like this topic of indigeneity, I think one of the reasons like perhaps people gravitate towards using labels like that is because it's like relatively easy relatively easy to define who is indigenous and who's not and i think this kind of like relates to what i was saying before like it's relatively easy to say like a household is x y and z and you know for a lot of people it's hard for them to understand when you say like you don't have to be a monk to be spiritual people mm -hmm. are like well tell me what i can be right you know, i want you to tell me what i can be and you know like that, that's not how my ancestors that's not how i work but i think a lot of people work that way but yeah, you know, like indigeneity, like, okay, can we figure out that, you know, somebody in your family tree was not from England or like was not from, you know, from like some kind of colonial expedition? Like that's relatively easy. I think it's really hard for people to say like, what does it mean to be a steward of the land? Like, you know, is it like you need to have a compost bin or like what happens if you don't live in a place? where they have like compost services, like then you have to make your, you know what I'm saying? Um, is composting even like net the most effective way to do things? Or like, what if you are somebody who's working towards uh, becoming like a kick-ass energy worker, but you live in a place where you have to drive a car, does that mean you're not a steward, even if the work that you're doing is designed to help people to connect to the earth so that they can like gradually re-indigenize themselves you know so i think it's really difficult um and to an extent like if we're talking about like legalistic manifestations of this practice it's very hard to define like who is a steward and who is not you know who's a guardian of the earth and who is not um mm -hmm. so i understand why people talk about indigeneity but i also feel like it's worth channel chat yeah like challenging that notion a little yeah yeah definitely and i yeah i agree with so much of what you said because i think that there is in current time a search that a lot of people are on to figure out how to situate themselves as 
either stewards of the earth or like people who just know that shit is wonky right now and they just kind of want to like protect themselves, which is understandable. Um, and I, yeah, I, I kind of feel similar with like some of my lineages where it's like, I don't know if there's a way to tell any one person what you should be doing because I feel like that's such an encroachment on not only one's free will, but also like one's creative potentiality. But I also do think that like creating openings, especially as an energy worker, like creating openings for people to find ways to do that, that align with their lineages and also align with the earth is more par for the course. And I don't know if there's ever going to be a layout where everyone has like a perfect role and everyone is like, you know, in this large like compound of human like unity. Um, and maybe it will in like a couple of lifetimes. I'm not sure, like a couple of centuries, but I also am like, yeah, I feel like it's worth challenging the definitions that we have of what it means to be indigenous. Um, and maybe also challenging our ideals around stewardship as well. Um, and the way that uh, we're positioned to kind of like envision that, that relationship with the earth. So thank you for saying that. Tiff says, I think there are always ways to be a steward of music. Oh, yeah. Do you want to say more about that, Tiff? Or connect us back to music in general? Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, we uh, we kind of, in our world, connect to music differently than, I guess, the uh, the way it was meant to be, perhaps, sometimes. Or, like, thinking about like being a being a musician or like an instrument player or something like a lot of times you know when you're taking a lesson or something they they take they they start you with the basics and like maybe you wanted to start playing because you you connected to like that instrument you heard somebody play it and it made you feel a certain way and like it takes so long before you get to that feeling again like once you start playing you're just like oh my fingers hurt oh I'm tired of playing this scale over and over and over and then you like you you get good at those things and you're like oh guess how many guess how fast I can play this scale look 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 at look at these cool chords I can hit and then it's like still like the connection isn't there and it took me a while to get to that point to like go come back around full circle and and I think like like stewarding music or like, you know, like the way the technology is where, you know, you could just punch in some computer keys and have a song and like AI is making it now. But still like the the original soul of music is there. And like, I think um, a lot of a lot of musicians are like the ones I know, they're, they're trying to cultivate that in in people. And like when you become a teacher or something like you try to keep the keep the keep the youth interested in what music can do for you in, in like a, a like connections sort of way and not just like oh yeah if you can count these beats you'll be good in math class or whatever like they try to they try to like push the arts up as a back to back to the uh stem department somehow oh, yeah. and it's like it can be it can be important on its own and like there were 
there were like you know the original schools they they taught music as a as part of the sciences because it's like it's its mm -hmm. own thing like so i guess like stewarding music in that sense of like trying to connect to it deeper on your own and foster that connection to others like there's different ways to do that i think yeah. and the, yeah yeah stored in music stored in the earth like uh i mean the earth the earth has its own frequencies and music going on so like being able to tap into that that behind the senses vibe of music is it definitely transfers to feel the behind the senses vibes of what's going on in the earth like and i think each each like 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 noble was saying like maybe you can't maybe you don't have a compost bin so you can't just do like stop stop stuffing landfills that's that's uh you know but maybe you got something else going on where you're you're helping other people re um reconnect themselves to the earth and maybe like that'll help change the the wide scene you know each one teach one of some sort i don't know it's possible, but I don't know how. I'm almost wondering, because as you were speaking, Tiff, I wonder, for me, in my mind, I was like making a connection between stewarding and the word composing. And I, like, I wonder how that, because I'm like, I wonder if that's another aspect to this, like, you might not be the person that's like creating a compost bin and like going around your neighborhood, letting other people know that like it's important to like grow their own vegetables and like maybe you're not like giving away chickens so that people can start, you know, like caring for their own chickens and also like make their own eggs and then like, you know. Um, but then I'm also like, there's this like composing nature, I think that I'm like connecting music like the idea of like composing music and like how to keep that intuitive faculty, like that muscle worked out in music can like transfer, like that's kind of like something that can transfer over to like earth stewardship and how like um, maybe you're like part of a community of other people who live in other parts of the world and like y'all are discussing and like figuring out ways to, <clears throat> let's say for lack of better words, re-indigenize oneself in terms of your connection with the earth and that's like a that's like a part of like a larger um orchestra i would say that like maybe it's not happening all in one singular like flat line like domino like a domino effect but how there is this like kind of in what you said i feel like i feel encouraged to kind of think of earth stewardship as also like composing music in a way so I'm, I'm curious if that um, brings up anything for y'all. <laughs> it was that haha composing, composting, and decomposing. <laughs> Tip says, improvisation, coming up with your own ways to affect change. That's jazz. That's hip hop. <laughs> I agree. And I also wonder too, like, I guess another thing that's coming up for me too is like, if there's a way that like people without access to like Spotify or like YouTube music can access the realm of phenomenology of sound and, and like 
that universe, then I think there's a way for like the average person who's like living in suburbia America to access the phenomenology of Earth and like approach that relationship from, um, yeah, kind of like what you were saying, Nobu, like an esoteric lens. Um, and I don't know, I just feel like for me, I've like, I'm seeing it through like my own struggles with trying to figure out like how to be good to the earth, how to be good to people. Well, not good to, but like to be an effective steward of the earth, be an effective steward of the, the different communities that I'm in. And then also be an effective steward of like my own behavior. And I'm just coming back to like, we didn't get far in this text, but that first paragraph I think says a lot where I don't want to say it all collapses back intuition and into intuition, but I wonder if like refining one's intuition is part of this, this like ask, you know, not everybody can get up and go to India to figure out what is in the esoteric um, lineages. Um, I don't think everybody can get up and like, yeah, like we talked about, like start a compost bin, but there is something that people can do. And I think if they're tuned into their intuition, um, yeah, I feel like something else, something can be born from that personally. I hope. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Like the intuition is important in any aspect of like, improvisation in general like you do it improv for like comedy or for music or just like trying to come up with a new idea when like maybe you live in a concrete jungle and there's there's no indigenous or stewardship of the earth available because there's no earth available because it's all paved over mm -hmm. but like you can just like that's when you go within and and just sort of if you got the good intuition, you can figure that out, like something to do that mm -hmm. might seem real out of pocket and out of place for the area. But the idea comes to you. And, you, and if you're willing to like dig deeper into it and, and follow, follow the thread or whatever, yeah. you, you might you might come upon something or you might you might be inspired to go somewhere else where there's or, or you know, put put some little flowers in your windowsill i don't know you know some, yeah. something <laughs> if that was the image in my mind's eye i'm like so many people i know who live in in concrete jungles have like a window herb garden where it's like they're growing like three to four herbs and like that that process of growing those three to four herbs t teaches them like a lot like a lot like a lot you know and i'm like i wonder also too if like there's a little bit of like projection on like what the earth at its most like harmonic state is is supposed to look like because i'm like what if it is just like nine billion people making small incremental changes so that later on like their offspring or the youngers that other people give birth to down the line know that it's important like hey even if you're growing in like a concrete jungle and you yourself that's the environment that's growing you earth is also willing to like invite itself into that a collaboration and like I don't know I'm like I'm getting so many like ripples in my field that I wonder yeah I wonder how y'all feel about that or or what that brings up for y'all 
Yes, it's like little things. And like Tiff said, and now you got seasoning with less disposable plastics. Yep. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Like every time, every time I get sent to the store to buy like a bag of onions or like potatoes or something, I'm mm -hmm. like, yo, I could just like leave one of these until they start sprouting and then throw it in the backyard and see what happens. Yeah. But I'm gonna wait I'm gonna wait till a little later because uh I'm not the yard person right now. So like if if dad's out cutting the grass and it's hella sprouts of garlic and stuff in his way he might he might not be too happy about that but like that was <laughs> my thought of like i wonder how i can steward the earth as i'm living in this like i got a little patch of land in the back small mm -hmm. patch we can do something with it we're not really stewarding like we buy flowers and they die and then we buy more flowers and plant them and then they die and i'm like what this this like new land it's got sand underneath the grass and like how do you turn all of this into dirt? Yeah. How do you like, pour more dirt? But like you, we could cultivate it somehow. Um, and I was like thinking like that, like just coming up with stuff and like I'm it's in my back pocket when I when I'm ready to try it. Yeah. Just little, little things here and there. Yeah. I feel like that's big. Like that's something that my family talks about too. Like we've we have these like large discussions about like when we buy our first property, like in the States that like I'm going to be the person responsible for like planting stuff. And like, of course my mom and like everyone else has their input. They're like, don't grow this and then grow this. And they're like, don't grow this, but like make sure. And I'm like, okay, but like either way, like, I've, and I've always gotten that nudge to like start a small garden for my family so that they can, they're not really outdoorsy people. I, I personally can say with confidence that I don't know if my family's interested in stewarding the earth, like, you know, but it's like, they might not necessarily be interested in stewarding, but that also doesn't mean that they don't have appointments with the earth to like understand like this, like ecological language that, you know, like we were talking earlier, like how the earth has a blueprint for being in right relationship and also having um, exponentially better energetic exchanges that possibly can come from somebody like growing a little like basil, having like a basil patch. And so to me, yeah, I'm like, there are so many ways. And I also feel like there's, um, there's like, people think it's a big leap, maybe. I'm not sure. But I also feel like there are little things that people can do every single day that, that make that difference, personally, in my opinion. I'm actually kind of feeling hopeful now that we talked about it. I'm like, yeah, like re-indigenizing oneself i don't know if it has to be like all that yeah yeah like it has to be <laughs> like yeah, i don't think it has to be violent i don't think it has to be like stripping yourself of what you enjoy um it's kind of like what nobu said like i don't think that the earth wants me uh to be like um naked from the waist up with face paint on being like ooh, ooh, because i'm like i think my ancestors already did that like they already paved that pathway they've already like kind of gotten real close and chummy with the earth that I feels like the the challenge for this this current time is like and how do you do that with with the environment that you're in now you know I think you can move I think you can people can move to lands where like there's cooperatives which is like on the like larger leap side of the spectrum of leaps to make but then I also think that there's like small things where people can switch um 
which, you know, what they bring to the grocery store to store their groceries, like they can bring their own bag. People can use glass bottles instead of plastic. Um, and yeah, I just, I also feel like the nudge to change um, and the nudge, like wherever people are, like even if you're listening to this asynchronously and you're like, how do I kind of re-engage with the earth? I think if you meditate and I think if you really look within and I think if you cultivate a practice of looking within, the answer to that question is a little easier or it might be a little bit easier to access than it would be just being exposed to like the way that the world is, you know? Um, so yeah, this is actually, this is very hopeful. Hazra and Yakana, I hope you, I hope so wherever you are in the ethers that <laughs> you know that chapter 12 brought us to a very inspirational place, at least for me personally. Um, but yeah, I'm curious. Uh, yeah, how y'all are feeling? Or what y'all might I, be... I love, I love what you said about going within. And, um, you know, it kind of got me thinking of like, yeah, I'd be really curious, right? Like if you took like a population that was sort of interested in like re-indigenizing and then like half of them you're just like okay yeah like go follow all the advice that you see on instagram or whatever and then half of them you're just like okay don't not follow what you see on instagram but just like meditate for 15 minutes yeah let's say with some intention to connect your root chakra to the center of the earth and then just like write down what happens and then pursue it I'd be really interested to see what would happen after like one year, like what kind of like habit change would mm. occur. Um, I would put bets on it because I'm a betting person nowadays. <laughs> but um, you know what I mean. And like, yeah. yeah, maybe people would slip up, but I think that is the spiritual path. It's not slipping up so much, but like, it is like a one, like a winding, wandering path. Mm -hmm. um, but I think like what makes it a spiritual path in some sense is like some form of like intention or consistency um and yeah i think what you mentioned about going within is super important too yeah agreed i almost like okay tiff said she wants to kind of try it for herself for science and i'm like i'm in i kind of feel inspired to do that too and also like want to invite anybody who's listening to this playback to try something like that you know like give yourself 15 minutes before you make these uh decisions or <laughs> i was even thinking like how sometimes before i go on errands to like get what i need for my house how i like do that like i'll sit in my car and meditate for a little bit because i'm like okay i i want to be able to focus on what i need i also want to be able to focus on um what I didn't know I needed that might come up in my awareness, whether I'm at the store or I'm going to the farmer's market or whatever. And I actually would be really interested to know like what happens both for me and for other people if they did that. Um, not only just before they spent their dollar, but before, you know, you go on the hunts. Like, you know, a lot of people when they're on social media, they're hunting for like ways of life and they're hunting for like information and they're hunting for suggestions on what they can do to either progress if they're on a spiritual path or if they're just making lifestyle changes which i'll say 
are inspired by spirit, but they might not say that. <laughs> but I'm like, I wonder what would happen for people if they did that 15 minutes before they made um, any like lifestyle changing decisions and what they came back with. And I also like what you said to Nobu specifically pointing to the earth chakra or no, sorry, the root chakra. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me today, but the root chakra, I feel like is so, um, is so, so key to, I think, actually being able to discern what it is you need or what it is you think you need or what type of space you want to take up in any given environment or what um, space you want to leave available in any given environment. And so thank you. I'm really grateful you spoke to that. Well, guys, this was an amazing conversation. I'll hold a little bit more space to see if you guys have um, any other reflections. I mean, I think I have like a meta Hazra Eniat Khan reflection. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to read out a little part of chapter 12. Um, I'll say... When one hears an artist, a singer of Hindu music, the first thing he does, fucking pronouns, is to tune their tampara to give one chord, and while they tune their tampara, they tune their own soul. This is such an influence on their hearers that they can wait patiently for 15 minutes. Once mm -hmm. they find that they are in tune with their instrument, with that note, their soul, mind and body all seem to be one with the instrument. A person with a sensitive heart listens to their song, even a foreigner listening to their song will perceive the way the artist sings into that chord, the way they tune their spirit to that chord. By that time, they have concentrated. But by that time, they have attuned themselves to all who are there. Not only have they tuned the instrument, but they have felt the need of every soul in the audience and the demands of their souls what they want at that time. Perhaps not every musician can do this, but the best can. Then they, then they synthesize and it all comes automatically. And I guess like, I just wanted to like hold that up kind of in a cheeky and also meta way because the, yeah, you know, I'd say like we had a pretty inspirational and like heartfelt conversation about indigenization and science and about stewarding the earth and on the surface, I feel like it probably had very little to do with the text, even though the text was our departure point. But I feel like in the spirit of musicianship that Hazrat Inyat Khan, I believe Hazrat Inyat Khan was talking about, I believe we had the conversation that we needed to have right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Ashe. <laughs> I'm so glad you brought that up, Nobu. I was just, I, that was one of the passages I forgot to read out. But like, that was, that was the main idea of, of being a steward. I think to me, like you, you tune your, you tune your soul, you know, it's tunable. So like, you know, whatever you're trying to, whatever you're trying to be a steward of, you, everything you do got kind of has to be in line with that. And the best way to just like subconsciously get alignment and just like 
if you get your soul together first, then mm -hmm. you can, you know, like if I if you get up, you do like I'm a, I'm a I'm a get on stage, I'm gonna play this music. I know that I practice, but this live show right here, I feel the vibe in the room. I feel my soul is the vibe and we connect in and they here to listen. So I'm here to, you know, send a message. I don't know what the message is, but if I get my t soul tuned right, it could just be like the generic message of love or something. Mm -hmm. And then like every note I play is going to have that feeling to it because that's what I'm focused on. That's what I tune my soul to. So like mm -hmm. you want to be like, I'm going, I'm going out to the store and I need to, you know, get things for the house and I have a list, but I might've forgot something on the list. Like if your soul is attuned to it, you're going to like see something on the shelf. Like, Oh yeah, I'm going to get that too. And like, if you're not paying attention, if you're just like breezing through the store, like I got to get, I got to go to this section to get this thing on the list and this section to get this thing on the list. And you walk past something that you were also supposed to add to the list, but you didn't, you might miss it. But if your soul's kind of, tune in a line you might you know it'll connect it'll connect to you and you'll like the attention and the and the focus comes into play Ashay. wow i love it like how the end of the this container reflects what we've been talking about this whole container and i feel like yeah like we may have departed from the text, but our souls were tuned. <laughs> That's, yeah, and it makes you think of, like, transmission style, which, um, the transmission style, like, collaborations or interactions and how, like, you might not know what comes out, but if your soul is tuned to it, if you gave yourself that 15 minutes to tune yourself, to tune your instrument, your body, then you you might not be off. And if you are a little off, there's always like the next day, I feel. And I love how the text brings up 15 minutes. <laughs> it's like it's like we were reading it without reading it. <laughs> Tiff says, or back to parenting, you just know when the baby needs something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. I feel like what I'm walking away with from this discussion is like intuition being a part of our everyday lives, which at first I was going to say discernment being part of our everyday lives. But I'm like, I think that intuition is what I'm pointing to. Um, it fits better for the example um, that I'm making right now. And I wonder, yeah, any parting words from y'all about maybe what you will be reflecting on or what you've taken away from this discussion? I'll hold a little bit more space for that. Nobu says, I feel great. <clears throat> Thank you. Soul tuned. My crown going off a bit. Thank you for reflecting. 
And Tiff says, this container was a reminder to keep tuning my soul. Ashe. All right, y'all. Thank y'all so much for being here. And thank you all for listening asynchronously. Um, tune in next week, um, next Saturday at 11 a.m. for the next chapter. I don't want to say the chapter number because I think we'll be jumping around. So stay tuned and thank you all again. And thank you, Craig. <laughs>